You don't expect him to come in and just like rip like that, but man, like we call him 100% Luke. Like he says, coach is like, take it down 60%. Luke still rips at 72. And I'm just like, all right, man. I, I You're talking it. from the service line. From which, the service by line. the way, we've got a radar gun in the Smith Fieldhouse this year. Yeah, yeah. That'll be awesome. The dude's crazy. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We need to bring in our good friend for the first time in 2023, ESPN college football insider, expert, and analyst. He is a BYU national champion, Trevor Maddich, for a Maddich Tuesday on BYUSN. Trevor, first and foremost, Happy New Year. Hope you had a fantastic holiday season. It was a wonderful holiday season, and uh, New Year was perfect. I was doing uh, radio pregame, postgame, and halftime for the both playoff games, and so I didn't get to go out, but I got to stay in and watch two of the most spectacular college football games in recent memory. Incredible stuff. We'll get to that in just a moment, but there are big things happening at BYU, notably at the quarterback position. Keaton Slovis leaving Pittsburgh at once a, a point in his career, he was the Pac-12 freshman of the year at USC. Now he's a BYU quarterback, Trevor. What do you think of the Keaton Slovis addition to lead the Cougars at quarterback as they go into the Big 12? It is absolutely fantastic. Of the available quarterbacks in the portal this year, he would be in the, in the tip-top tier of guys that you would want to bring in if they would want to come. The thing is, he's, he's played a lot of football. And so on the field, he's seen defenses. He could read defenses. He's been in a couple of different kinds of systems. He understands how to apply progressions to different coverages. He's got the potential for tremendous accuracy. Those things are all very important. He's got a very strong arm, which is important, too, because BYU's offensive system re relies on a lot of deep passing to open things up and for deep strikes. And he's got the arm to be able to hit those, just like Jared Hall did, just like Zach Wilson did. But more than that, he's got experience. I mean, he's been through so much. It's one thing if you're a, a hotshot freshman, you come rolling in with a whole bunch of stars next to your name and you've never had any adversity. He's had success, great success, but he's also had some adversity with injury and having to work through that kind of a thing. And so I think he's got a maturity and a leadership that he'll be able to step right in and be a leader in that locker room. I think it's it's a, on every level a fantastic transfer for BYU. And I think it's great for Keith because he's got a young, dynamic group of receivers. He's got a really good and intriguing group of running backs. And even with transfers and possibly the NFL, he's got an experienced big group of offensive linemen in front of him. I think this is a great marriage. Let's talk about one of those running backs. You mentioned Aiden Robbins coming over after two years at Louisville and then UNLV. We'll hear from him later in the program. What do you think he can do, perhaps as running back uh, number one for BYU in the first year of the Big 12? Well, he's huge. He's about, what, 6'2", 6'3", 230 pounds. He's the kind of a guy that can just be a hammer, just an absolute bludgeon. And then you got Miles Davis to compliment him. And, and, you know, Rapati's coming back as well. So you've got a really good, diverse skill set in the running back room. And I think Robbins is the kind of a guy that could be an absolute workhorse. I mean, just to pound defenses and wear them down. And, and BYU showed in the last couple of games against Stanford in the bowl game what can happen if they really commit to that run. And I think that with with Robbins there, I think they've got uh, just a, a fantastic addition 
but he's not the only one. But the way he fits in because of his size and his power, I think, give the offensive coaching staff a whole lot of options. I think it's another wonderful transfer for BYU. And I think it's great for Robbins because of that offensive line in front of him and because of the, the skill players in the passing game that can keep safeties out of the box for him. Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation, part of a Maddich Tuesday. Let's switch over to the defensive side of things. Now the BYU coaching staff is set for the defense. Obviously, Jay Hill as the coordinator was the huge acquisition. He gets Sion Epuha to unretire, brings over Kelly Papinga from Boise State, has Gennaro Guilford staying around, and most recently the Cougars add Justin Enna, former Cougar linebacker great. Trevor, how much of an impact do you expect this new defensive staff to make for BYU in year one of the Big 12? Well, it should have a huge impact because of experience and what they can do. All of them, You can make a case that a lot of these guys are even overqualified. And you see the best defensive staffs around the country tend to have a lot of coaches that have experience as coordinators. And Coach Papinga, special teams coordinator. Coach Enna has got seven years of his career where he was a defensive coordinator, now position coach. And, of course, Coach Hill, a former head coach, and, and the, all the rest of the stuff that he's done. So you've got coaches that know the big picture, not just what the puzzle piece that they're working on is from a standpoint of the micro view, but the macro view. And I think that's really important. You put that together – with the style that they're going to run, the attacking style. And all of a sudden, you have the kind of a defense that'll be a whole lot of fun for those defenders to run. And when it's fun, when you attack, you tend to attract more recruits. Recruits don't want to, defensive recruits don't want to read and react. They want to attack. They want to get the sacks, the tackles for loss, the things that makes the splash plays, you know, the things that get them NIL money because it raises their profile because of all the splash plays that they can make. This is a splash play kind of a defense, and the coaching staff that they've put together has tremendous experience to be able to make all the parts work into a cohesive whole. We walk into next season not knowing a few things. How exactly this defense will function, how exactly BYU will fare, how exactly the Big 12 will be, who even BYU plays. So what's fair at this point to expect this fall in football for BYU defensively in the Big 12, Trevor? I think defensively, it's fair to expect that they will have a much better havoc rate. Havoc plays are plays that that look create havoc. So you're talking about tackles for loss, sacks, pass breakups, interceptions. There's a, there's a series of, of things that go into that. And BYU needs to create more of that. I think with Tyler Batty coming back, and then with Ben Bywater up front to go with the front seven and linebacker group that should still be very active, there should be the capacity to get behind the line and create those havoc plays. And that, I think, would be the foundation for BYU's success on defense, to get behind the line and get teams behind the chains because they create negative plays. Trevor, we've talked about BYU just getting to a bowl game in year one of the Big 12. Win six games – Call it good. It's always tough to make the power five transition. I just said I feel like with the addition of Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and this new defensive staff, I'd probably put my win-loss total at seven and a half. Is that fair, too high, too low? What do you think? I think that would be a great season. Because remember that part of the equation is not the, the players that you're talking about and the coaching staff. It's the depth. And what 
has what BYU has struggled with really in recent years as they piled up the number of Power Five teams that they've played is depth issues down the down the road in the season, late in the season when they had a lot of guys hurt. I mean, just look at all the guys that were out in the bowl game this year, and now all of a sudden they're going to end up playing nine, ten, you know, Power Five games, which is something that they've never done before. And so the depth, I think, will have more of a um, an impact on their season win total than any other single thing. So seven and a half, if they can get to that point, if they can get to, to, to seven, eight wins, I think that would be a phenomenal season as they continue to recruit to build power five depth. Oh, I'd take eight right now. Yeah, six or seven feels like it's in the wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. Uh, and hopefully it's that high, right? Let's talk about uh, what you mentioned, the college football semifinal games. I mean, traditionally, the winning team has won by like 21. There's been a couple uh, great games, but those were two just epic games. So what did you think of those games? And, and uh, do you have Georgia beating TCU in the championship game like most people? Yeah, right now I'm, I'm still watching tape of the, of the games. I want to go back and watch it in more detail, but I'm definitely leaning Georgia. And the reason is the way Georgia and TCU won. Both of those victories were flawed. Georgia, their defense at times seems like they were trying to give it away (laughs) by losing contain, by getting out of pass rush lanes and allowing Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud to break out and either make big plays with his legs, which he doesn't normally do, or to extend plays and make big plays, pass plays off the scramble, which he does a lot. And I'm not talking about guys getting blocked out of their lanes. I'm talking about a contained guy rushing upfield and then deciding he wants to go inside. And so the quarterback just runs outside where he's supposed to have contained. You look at TCU, though, it's different. Georgia overcame even though that happened. TCU won by six points. But the Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, threw two pick sixes. And Michigan drove the ball inside the five-yard line on three occasions where they came out with a combined three points. And I thought the play calling down there was absolutely, I guess the the most gentle way you can say it is a head-scratcher. Abysmal is another way to put it in terms of the the position that the players uh, were in because of the plays that the coaches called. Especially on on first and goal inside the one-yard line, there was a fumble that TCU recovered in the end zone. And it was a, a, a quick handoff to a fullback who was two yards away from the line of scrimmage, leaning so far forward that I thought he was going to fall down. He had to get up out of that stance, get ready and balanced up to take the handoff, and then take the hit immediately. And he never did get the handoff because he couldn't do it that quickly. And by the way, he was a, a converted linebacker. Why in the world are they calling that play on first and 10? So, I think if you look at TCU, Michigan did a whole lot to help them, although credit TCU for making the plays that were there to be made. Georgia overcame mistakes against an Ohio State team that was on fire. So I really think that uh, Georgia right now has the edge going in because TCU can't count on the Bulldogs to make the same mistakes that Michigan did. Fantastic insight from Trevor Maddich. Georgia 13-point favorite over TCU right now. Trevor? As always, uh, a pleasure to talk with you, man. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on a Maddich Tuesday from BYU to the college football playoff. Uh, And I think 
It's fair to assume that most BYU fans are rooting for TCU as a fellow Big 12. We'll, we'll discuss. Kind of right? Yeah, we'll, yeah. See, we'll see. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Offensive staff complete. Yes, we are on now with a new defensive staff at BYU, adding most recently Justin Enna. So Jay Hill is your defensive coordinator. He will lead the safeties. Sione Puha is going to coach the defensive tackles. Kelly Papinga is going to hand the defensive ends and coordinate the special teams. And, of course, Gennaro Guilford stays with the cornerbacks. Jerem, what do you think of the defensive staff as currently constituted at BYU? All those in favor, please make it manifest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, I think this is great. When we were coming up with potential defensive coordinators, we didn't even say Jay Hill's name because we didn't think that was uh, you know, a realistic option. It becomes an option, and now, now you have – the best of some of the BYU-Utah good defenses of the past couple of years. So you have Jay Hill, his influence, obviously, from Utah. Sione Puha from Utah, obviously. Justin Enno was at Utah for a couple of years. Obviously, Kalani Stocky had been there. Like, the good that uh, BYU has had defensively as former players here in Papinga and Enna and Guilford, and then the good that Utah has done, you're having that influence as well. Why not take the best influences around you, even from your rival, put them together, and have a great defense? So I am excited about that. The second thing that sticks out is this. I'm excited for, obviously, the newness. The Big 12 is going to be new regardless. But uh, uh, guys that come in with hungry, uh, something to prove. Two guys who have already been on the staff in Guilford and Papinga before. Anna returns to BYU, which is awesome. He's been a defensive coordinator um, at Utah State in 2019. He's been at every school in Utah. He worked with Ed Lamb at Southern Utah. Like, Wild. he's been at Utah with former Cougar Kyle Whittingham and all that. So it's exciting. It, it feels, feels like Avengers light. You're bringing these guys together. Now, certainly playing defense in the Big 12 is tough. There's going to be some games where BYU gives up 40-plus, but where BYU scores 50. Uh, and it is what it is. But... I'm excited for um, you know what hopefully obviously will be a better defense. We'll get into that in a second. But in terms of the personnel, who you got, where you got them from, it's not five of the same kind of guy. It's there's a variety there. Yeah. There's a mix of like I said, Utes and Cougs, and uh, influences from different places. So I, I think it's very exciting, and this feels like a, a what could be a great staff. Yeah, it's an eclectic group. I mean, these guys have been around a lot of football for a long time, and Obviously, we were very excited about the Jay Hill edition. And Jay Hill went and got his guys. Like, I think the biggest surprise is the addition of Sione Puha. Yes, that was brought, got him out of retirement. Talking him out of retirement. Yeah. He went into retirement because he was just tired. He wanted more yeah. time with his family. And BYU kind of felt like the perfect fit for him. These are his words. Because BYU and Kalani Satake are big on, hey, allowing you time with your family but when we're at work, we work. It's a delicate balance for sure. But Jay Hill getting Sione Puha to unretire is really, really exciting. Kelly Papinga is already making an impact because of his connections with Boise State guys who went into the portal and now are we at three now at BYU? I love it. <laughs> okay. So BYU loses out to Baylor, but 
hey, we gained from Boise State. It is what it is. And I like Justin, and I think, he, and, and this is coming from inside the staff, he is re-energized. He's gone through some stuff off the field, on the field. He's re-energized at BYU. He's very excited to be here. And I think all these guys can recruit, led by Jay Hill. I mean, the number one thing I heard, as awesome as Jay Hill was at Weber State, like leading the troops on the field, the first thing I heard from his inner circle at Weber State was, well, congratulations, your in-state recruiting just got like a million times better. Yeah, and, and BYU needs to do that because there have been certain players lost to other schools out of the state, in the state, whatever. So, yes, you have to recruit and you have to be able to coach. You have to be able to do both. Obviously, uh, can you be great at every single thing? Well, some are, but if you're great at anything, I would just love to be able to recruit because you need good players to win games. Obviously, you can coach them up and you can develop guys that aren't uh, heralded out of high school, but you need to be able to do both. And I think at BYU, the coaching has always been really good. It's can we recruit at a higher level to get better players to then elevate them from that three, four-star status to yeah. five-star yeah. Brady Christensen and Zach Wilson end up five-star college players, if you will. Uh, Jaron Hall comes in as a three-star. He exits as a four-star college player, if you will, a second- or third-round type guy. Perhaps he goes later, he's three-star, if you will. But the point is, you need both. And now Justin Anna, who actually coached at Weber State with Jay Hill, connections, right, uh, galore with these guys. It's exciting to uh, get these guys together. Which brings us to topic two. Now that the defensive staff is in place, what do you expect in year one defensively in the Big 12? Well, number one, I expect BYU's defensive, defensive efficiency to improve. And I expect BYU to be, I don't know, a top 80 defense? Is, is that too much to ask in year one no. of the Big 12? In fact, it's pretty low. Right? Yeah. I, 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 would I thought about it because I'm like, oh, man, you're, you're going to the Big 12, though, so you're going to face some high-powered offenses that are going to sling the rock all over the field. We don't know who BYU is going to play in year one of the Big 12, but regardless, it's going to be difficult, and you're going to face some spread offensive attacks. So I, I settled on the number 80 because – <laughs> that's like almost 20 spots higher than what BYU finished this year at. And you're going into a more difficult scenario. Yeah. So maybe I'm managing expectations to a degree, but I expect BYU to be at least in the top 80 in defensive efficiency. I hope so. And the schedule top, matters. And top 65 yeah. in points allowed. I want BYU. I feel like they will be somewhere in the middle, but in the top half of college football in points allowed. Maybe that's too much to hope for going into the Big 12 in year one. I don't know, but that, that's kind of where I settled. Was, yeah, I, I think BYU could be 60, 65th in points allowed and top 80 in defensive efficiency. And if they are that, then that's probably a win better. It probably means you went to a bowl game. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. Who, who knows? Uh, I mean, you could have those numbers and certainly be five and seven. I'm, I mean, if, if we're talking like, hey, quantify it in terms of wins and losses, I said last week on the show, I feel like Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins, along with Aaron Roderick and the continuity of him being the offensive coordinator and like, like the offensive staff all being in place, I feel like that takes BYU from six wins to seven wins. Okay. I feel like BYU is a seven-win team with Keaton Slovis as quarterback. Some people are like, no, no, too ambitious. That's how I feel. Seven wins with Keaton Slovis. Seven and five, too ambitious. Those words have as, never as been the stated starting quarterback. On this program. This defensive staff might take my over-under to seven and a half wins next season. 
Okay, the combination of transfer portal people and the staff, I've got BYU probably at seven and a half wins right now. That's where that's, that's where I'm putting the over under. I want more havoc. Uh, is what I want. Ooh, so, okay. B- because I honestly, the the thing that matters is points allowed, right? Yards yards per play, uh, you know, points per possession. Those are the things that matter. But if there's more havoc, uh, which is more TFLs, which includes sacks, INTs, breakups, forced fumbles, that you that you just those are game changing plays. Those yes. are momentum changing yes. plays. Okay. And here's the other thing. I want to feel as confident about the defense as I do about the offense. So when I watched the Rose Bowl yesterday with Utah, um, I thought when they were on defense, I was like, oh, gosh, they just make plays. They just get after them. Now, they didn't as much. They gave up 35 and lost. But I, I felt like watching that Utah defense, I was like, Utah fans get excited on defense. Right now on defense, we're like, well, hopefully we can get the ball back. Hold somehow. on. Hopefully there's a stop. I'm not talking necessarily just about this year. I, the identity of BYU is offense, historically, but um, until, like, this year, mm-hmm. in the NFL, it's been a defensive team. The, the players from BYU in, in the NFL for the most part, right? Now it's skill players. Now it's skill players. It's getting that way. It's both sides of the ball. You got um, one, of the best running, uh, one of the best rookie running backs in the league, one of the best running backs in the league total, and you have the best middle linebacker. And you got the most unique player in yes. the entire NFL. So in you, you're checking all these boxes. We hope that Zach would be like the next quarterback. Obviously, that hasn't happened now. Perhaps he has a Geno Smith um, awakening, which, by Love the way. Love that. Love that interaction. Great interaction because Geno knows that road, and he knows it from the Jets. So that was a cool interaction for my quarterback, Geno Smith, after that Seahawks game. But what I want to feel like with BYU football, Spence, is on defense that I go, oh, I can't wait to watch this. This is going to be awesome. Because there's going to be some kind of pick, some kind of blitz, some kind of three and out where you feel that confidence. And now if BYU's defense can take a step forward, maybe two steps forward, now you're actually competing for a Big 12 title. And we're not talking about overambitious or just ambitious being 7-5, and five, right? We go, okay, BYU can finish in the top three. And who knows? That's the, lo- the lovely part of this thing that we call sport is TCU was not expected to do what they did this year. A lot and of people Michigan, thought they were going to finish bottom of the conference. Right? And Michigan had a great, like, they had a really good defense coming in. And they got torched yeah. by Max Duggan, the yeah, backup. Attaboy, attaboy, Max. The backup. Like, um, it's just exciting. Uh, to You just don't know sometimes. And so next year, I almost go in with, I don't know what the defense going to expect, but I would like more havoc. Aggressive. I would like to feel more confident and excited about watching defense. And uh, perhaps we get that. I need to add this caveat. It's going to be more enjoyable watching BYU's defense be on attack. Jay Hill sat across the room from us in Studio B and said, I've never been one to just sit back and kind of just let an offense do what they want to do. I will attack. I will impose my will. But there will understandably be some big plays given up yeah. on BYU's defense That's because the risk. they're going to be more aggressive. So. BYU's been really good at like not giving up like these huge explosive plays over the last four or five years. There are going to be more of those, but there will be more havoc. There will be. Yeah. You're going to get that. Yes. But it's okay that in be in translation of all of that, like there are going to be some That's big the risk. There are going to be some big plays given up. Yeah, if the risk reward will be higher for sure. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. 
Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. And yesterday we spoke with new BYU linebackers coach and defensive assistant Justin Enna across the way in the Cougar Council Room. Topics discussed. So much counseling going on. Include what brought him back to BYU now, the difference a Jay Hill-led BYU defense will make, and what his relationship was like with head coach Kalani Sataki when they were roommates in college. Here's that conversation. Coach, why was now the right time and opportunity for you to return to BYU? That is a great question. Um, I think, uh, again, it's always God's timing, right? When it's all said and done, um, you go through uh, transitions, you're growing, you're becoming a better coach, you're becoming a better human being. You're doing a lot of different things and, and, and hopefully your, our, your tra trajectory is always upward and onward. And so um, I'm, I'm truly excited to, to come and join Coach Sataki's staff uh, along with Coach, coach Hill and, and the defensive staff. They're great people, great human beings. Um, I'm excited to, to, to bring passion, energy, um, and a little bit of toughness as well. We, we, we need our guys. Again, everywhere you've gone, you've got it. You're successful by being tougher than your opponent. And again, schematics, scheme is always great, but it, the principality of, of, of football is, is almost, it's, it's a fight. And you have 11 battles going on at one time. And if your team is winning those battles, all right, you're, you're gonna get a W usually. So um, why I'm here right now, <laughs> Is probably because um, God wants me here right now, and so I'm 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 completely happy, glad to be back home uh, in the state of Utah with with family, um, and uh, I'm blessed to be here. Hey, you've been to every school in Utah, which is pretty awesome, right? Uh, what's it like to be uh, have the Y back on your chest? Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. My my son gets home from a mission tomorrow. And, That's uh, exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm what, really excited. What's his name? Where was he? It, Justice, and he served in the Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Spanish-speaking. So, Very nice. Yeah, he's going to come back and, and go play at Utah State, of all places. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of crazy, but uh, it's just it's, it's awesome for him to come back. But he, we were talking. He's like, Dad, you kind of have um, – you've done all the schools that have football besides Snow College. And I was like – Besides Snow. So it, it's, been a, it's been kind of a, a crazy – a crazy way to get back to BYU, I'll tell you that. Besides playing here, you know, now I'm coaching here, so I'm, I'm beyond blessed to be here. Justin Ennis on BYU Sports Nation. How long has the opportunity to come back to BYU been on your radar? If you could walk us through the timeline of all of this transitioning back to Provo. <laughs> Even when I first got into coaching in 2008, you know, I wanted to come back and, and uh, to BYU at some point. And... BYU still, it's, it's, the, it's the pinnacle, I, I believe, to, to come back home and to um, go into that stadium. And, and again, I was coaching at Utah for four years, right? And we, would, we came here twice, and there wasn't a louder stadium in all of college football. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And you get those chills, and it was weird wearing the different color, uh, wearing that red. But it was also just like... The, the, the fans of BYU are, are as diehard and as true as, as you'll ever find in college football. And uh, I'm, I'm just appreciative to, to come back and, and figure to be part of such a good staff that Kalani's put together. He's such a, he's a good man. We just got to see him uh, a few minutes ago and just 
we were roommates together. I mean, the, the brotherhood that you have. And again, the, the good thing about Kalani and, and everybody, I mean, you've got to pay your dues. You, they're not going to hire no slappy here, right? I mean, you've got to make sure that you're a great coach and you do what you do and you love your players, but you hold them accountable and you get the very most out of them. So I've been blessed to coach really good football players and um, I'm excited to, to, to do it here at BYU. What was Kalani like as a roommate? And now, are you talking road roommate or like actual? No, we were roommates, roommate? and then on okay. road as well. I yeah. mean, Kalani Kalani knows how to have fun. I will tell you that. <laughs> but he knows how to 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 get to work too as well. And we would have there'd be a few times where we'd get kicked out of practice because we'd either I cheap shot him or he would he would come and we would just be pullback <laughs> versus well, linebacker. We'd be throwing yeah we'd be throwing punches and then Coach Edwards is like get the heck out of here and then we'd walk in and. We go in, into the showers and then we're like, "Hey, what do we do now?" And we're just hanging out and I don't know what we do. And like, we just go home and you just never collab to where no. you're like, "Hey, I want to go watch this." No, we sometimes we would, but we never collaborate. Do that, but it, that would be a, a really good idea. But we were always just always making sure that again we were, were competitive, and and in order to be successful in this game, you better be ultra competitive because again, again, it, it's a battle and it should be a battle that way. But it's also should be really fun. And Kalani's one of those guys that knows how to have fun, even in in in, in horrible not horrible situations. But sometimes things don't go your way, right? Yeah. You just got to make sure that you you pull yourself up your off your your bootstraps and just get to work because, again, <laughs> the sun will come up tomorrow and it's time to get back to work. You are inheriting a linebackers room that has some continuity clearly losing some big pieces as they pursue their NFL careers. but Or transfer. You bring back Ben Bywater and Max Tooley that lead that group. Yeah, and to Jeremy's point, you lose Keenan Peely to a transfer. What do you know about the BYU linebackers right now? Yeah, uh, cool thing. I, I talked to Ben last night, and he called me up, um, and he said, hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. And, and I recruited him at Utah when I was there. Long body from Olympus. I mean, the, the kid's a, a really good football player. I, I told him I, I just watched your pick six against the uh, New Mexico Bowl, and I thought he did some really good things. He's 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 big, long, and athletic, and that's one thing I'm always been looking for, right? And then you also have Max Tooley. Um, again, we recruited him out of Bountiful. Uh, the kid's a tough kid, and I love the way he strikes. Uh, Max is one of those guys that that we lost to BYU when we were recruiting battle and. He's uh, he's 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 got a lot of edge, and so that's what uh, what I'm looking for, especially as a linebacker. You got to be tough and you got to have edge. Of course, you got to have some genetics involved, right? You got to be fast and 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 somewhat physical. But having that edge and that toughness um, will take you a long ways, really well. Uh, and then there are questions about some of the other guys. Certainly, those two return. But um, I guess what what's the next couple of weeks and months like for you as you? Try to develop that group, and you have spring ball coming up. Yeah, so I think a lot of the time is just getting to know your personnel um, and then also understanding what Coach Hill wants to do exactly. Uh, and I, I suppose it's going to be more like Weber State and uh, what he did there, uh, a lot of single high defense, a little bit of cover three as well, and possibly a little bit of cover two. So I'm excited to see what he does. But again, uh, no doubt in my mind, I know what Coach Hill is going to want. He's going to want toughness and athleticism. And um, it'll be fun to be around him again. I was his D coordinator in 2014 when he first took the job at Weber State before I went to Utah. And uh, uh, Coach Hill is, is, is very, he's very particular 
and he's very organized. He knows exactly what he's looking for. So uh, I'm excited to be uh, to help him grow this defense and, and, and get the right players where they need to be to, to be successful. How much did your relationship with Jay Hill impact your desire to want to be at BYU right now? Oh, there was no doubt in my mind. I've, I've been in the system. Um, it, it was going to be a nice move. I coached the D-line at San Diego State last year and had such a good time doing it, but it was my very first time of coaching D-line. And uh, again, learning from, from Coach Hoke over there, who's also the head coach, kind of like a guru at the D-line. It was fun to, to learn from him. But Coach Hill, um, seeing what he's done and developed in the last seven, eight years at Weber State, from being kind of the poor man's house of the big sky to, to owning the big sky year yeah. in and year out because of the scheme that he does. And again, you've got to play great defense to win championships. And so, and then not only saying that, but our offensive uh, coaches and staff are, are amazing. I mean, I coached with Aaron over there, Coach Roderick at, uh, at Utah. Um, coached Fessy Satake. <laughs> I was the coach well, at SVU. Could he be coached? Huh? What's that? Could he be coached? Oh, he could be. That was the good thing about it. Had a little bit of style and flair, but that's, that's the Satake family. So um, he's, he's, he's an awesome kid. Coach Clark, uh, I was the D coordinator. Coach Clark was the office. Everybody's coach was Steve. We, exactly. He's so connected. Oh, he's such a good man, yeah. too. The, the, the way he does things, um, he, he brings it all down to earth. Because, again, when it's all sudden, I kind of stole what he, what he says all the time. It's a physical fight every single, every single down. And, and you're going to lose some every once in a while, but you've got to understand, like, you've got to have toughness, and you've got to play the game the right way. Steve Clark's the best. Before the Utah Tech game, which you were at Utah Tech recently I was. as well, right? Um, <laughs> I go, hey, what do you, he has headphones on. I go, what are you listening to? He goes, corn. <laughs> it's like, who's <laughs> listening to corn? Apparently, Steve, yes. Clark Steve Clark is, which is awesome. But I wanted to ask you about sort of the influences of uh, obviously where everybody's been and where they played on this staff. It feels like it's some of the best of BYU historically, having played here or coached here, the best of Utah. And that combination, I think, is going to be pretty special. Yeah. Um, walk us through sort of strategically what the conversation have been like of like who we are as a defense. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to tell you again how, it, how it's usually been set, where I've been and where I've, I know where Coach Hill has been. It's, it's always making sure that you have a championship defense. You're going to build defense the right way, and it's going to, it's going to be done by, by being more aggressive. Um, I'm not a drop-eight guy. I know Coach Hill's not a drop-eight guy. We're guys that want to, to, to press the passer, right? You have to affect the quarterback in some way and somehow, whether bringing four, bringing five, six, sometimes seven if you need to, but you've got to make sure that the quarterback understands that he's going to be under stress. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cooper Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Tyler Algier's 1,039 scrimmage yards are the most by a Falcons rookie in the last 40 years. Is he better than he thought this year? He is having a better year than I thought he would have. I knew that the Falcons were high on him, covered him in the preseason, talked to a bunch of the Falcons staff, and they were like, oh, he's awesome. I didn't think it was going to be this good, Jerem. 
I mean, he is he is making an outside run at Rookie of the Year consideration. He's probably in that top 10 scenario. Yeah, he won't win it, but no. he's in the conversation. Good for him. Way, yeah, he's way better than I thought. I, I thought he'd kind of be the number two and here and there, 400, 500 yards. No, if if he has 100 yards, he gets 1,000, which would be crazy. Which, by the ball, by the way, Jamal Williams has 994. Mm-hmm. He is getting that against the Packers and will become the first Cougar ever in the NFL to rush for 1,000 yards. Yes, he's only six yards away from that 1,000-yard mark. Will BYU have not one, but 2,000-yard rushers this season when it's never happened before? Now, with Tyler, he's playing the Bucks, right? Yes. He needs a hundy. They've, they're only giving up 83 yards total yeah. the last three games. They're really good. So I'm not sure it's going to happen for um, for Tyler, but Jamal's going to get it. Yeah, Jamal's going to get it. Tyler's going to come up just short. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. This, this post-Rose uh, Bowl tweet came in from Big Game Boomer Cutter. Utah still has the same amount of Rose Bowl wins as BYU, and that is zero. <laughs> is he one of us? One of us! One of us! Not officially, but I think uh, cl- <laughs> close enough, right? Yeah, he just loves, he loves to needle Utah fans. He's not the only one. In a post-game interview about the uh, Lions win over the Bears, Jamal Williams was asked about Aaron Rodgers uh, talking some trash about the Lions. Here's what he said. <laughs> I don't watch TV. <laughs> you didn't hear about it? Yeah, I'm trying not to cuss. I don't care. <laughs> I just want to play football and go home. She's holding me. She's holding me right now. I just want to go home and play Pokemon. We go home and play Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon. Yeah. Don't do that. You can't disrespect Pokemon like that. Pokemon. Pokemon. You sound like I got old. my nephew some Pokemon cards. They're kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what cards you got on. They must have sucked because you you calling them Pokemon. But it's a fine. Never mind. I'm off topic. Come on. I'm bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is Jamal justified in correcting the reporter's mispronunciation of Pokemon? One million percent. Yes. Come on. Pokemon. Pokemon. Stop. It's Pokemon. Pocket monster. It's po- pocket monster. Pokemon. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is time for one of the newest BYU football players to make his BYUSN debut. He is recent signee, a four-star recruit, ESPN Top 300 guy, Jackson Bowers, a BYU yeah. tight end, joining us. Jackson, yes, welcome up, to BYU brother? Sports What's Nation. What's up? How Just you guys ha- doing? We're good. We're even better uh, now that we're talking to you, man. Repping the Y, you're looking good, yes, man. Sir. Hey, it's great Thank to have you, you with Thank us. You. Uh, you're obviously in your car. Uh, hopefully we got you out of class or something, out of some homework. <laughs> yes, sir. <We> know <laughs> we'll apologize to your teachers later. But first things first, BYU football. Why was BYU ultimately the right place for you when all of these other suitors and schools came in and made a play for you late? I mean, no, no one has Coach Clark as their tight ends coach, so that's probably the biggest one, you know, and Coach Sataki. I mean, those two are just the biggest roles for why I chose this school, so most, but it's them. They're the reason I'm at this school. Nobody has Coach Clark, which is right. Um, earlier in the program, I mentioned a story where pregame against Utah Tech Jackson – Steve had headphones on, and I said, what are you listening to? And he said, corn. And I said, 
who else is listening to corn? You know what I mean? That guy's awesome. Yes, but sir. the list yes, of sir. people that wanted you was everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted you. Alabama, LSU, Oregon. Why BYU besides Coach Clark and Kalani? What else about BYU intrigued you? I mean, last year I went to an ASU-BYU game, and I never had been to a BYU football game before. And just the atmosphere and the way that uh, The Rock just – watching the rock and just seeing the just the atmosphere of the football game just really gave me the passion just to want to play for BYU and just the community and just how they support the players that are just it all just made me want to just be a BYU Cougar. Jackson, you mentioned your relationship with Steve Clark and with Kalani Satake. Let's start with Steve. What is it about him that made you say, hey, there's only one guy like Steve Clark as a tight ends coach? I mean, just hearing his story of him being um, he's very as underrated as a coach just because of his size and then just being around him and hearing his knowledge as a coach, you could definitely tell that he's like a top-tier coach. I mean, and just hearing his story as being underrated, I just I just love it. I just love his story, and I love him as a person. And I know that, like, anywhere I, like, anywhere I would have chosen, he still would have loved me as a human. So, I mean, that's why I chose – that's why I just – I love Coach Clark. Not every place provides that. BYU is certainly unique that way mm-hmm. where, hey, they care about how you do it. And listen, with, with uh, college football the way it is, there are guys coming to BYU who almost came to BYU to high school, like uh, in Aiden Robbins, for example. But uh, what are you most excited about uh, thinking about your freshman year this fall at BYU? Um, just playing football. I can't wait to play college football. That's been my dream my whole life. So, I mean, I just can't wait to be able to step on that football field and play in front of thousands of people. What type of impact are you expecting to make in year one? Because when we speak with the coaches, they expect you to step in and, and be busy right away alongside Isaac Rex. Yes, sir. I mean, I just need to work hard and get my butt to work so that I can be out there and make an impact because I know it's a huge step from high school to college. So I just need to get to work and um, get my talent up and skill up a lot more. We've been told that you're a tremendous blocker. Uh, in line that you can flex out and catch, you can do it all. Um, where do you feel like you're the best on the field, and and what do you need to work on? Um, best on the field, I feel like uh, just being able to make those tough catches in between like two people or three people down the middle, and just blocking. I mean, what I need to work on is definitely speed and just being able to it's a lot more yak and just high pointing balls. Hey, you can never put too much emphasis on the yards after catch for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Isaac Rex is going into his senior year. How much interaction have you had with him, and what do you know about him? Uh, I met him a few times. He's a good guy. I mean, I can't wait to get up there and just build more of a relationship and see what we could do on the field. It's going to be fun to watch, Uh, and it's a talented tight end room. It's going to be awesome. Certainly BYU's quarterback you, uh, but tight end you too. Uh, Are you aware of the history here? At BYU, of the great tight ends? Um, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. I've seen it. I mean, I don't know it all for sure, but I know that it's pretty good at BYU. <laughs> it's, the tradition's amazing. Uh, hopefully you're the yes, next sir. in line, man. Yes, sir. BYU signee tight end Jackson Bowers is on BYU Sports Nation. How do you feel about playing with BYU <clears throat> as they transition into the Power 5 status and the Big 12 Conference? I mean, it's definitely uh, – you're definitely uh, just it's awesome but at the same time you're kind of like you're going to play all these uh big schools so you're like new school joining playing all these big schools you're kind of scared but i just can't wait just can't wait to get out there and play all these teams because i love it it'll be a new experience for all of us which will be yes, awesome sir. okay you go to yes, mountain sir. view 
Hey, a lot of Mountain yes, View uh, students, not only at BYU, but athletes. So who's the greatest uh, Mountain View athlete ever that's come to BYU? Do you have an opinion there? <laughs> um, I'd probably say Max Hall. Max Hall's pretty good. John Beck's going to be texting yes, you sir. here in a minute. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's a debate. We need it's to a have, good debate, we, we right? Need, we need to have that I really, debate. I, did, I really didn't see John Beck play, so. Yeah. I, I watched I watch a lot of Max Hall, so I just have to say him. Listen. Yeah, Chelsea Goodman uh, sticks out. Peyton Dastrip uh, basketball. There's been a lot of uh, great ton, athletes. Ton of ties the Mountain View pipeline into BYU. Okay, Jackson, you clearly love football. It it is what makes you tick. But what do you yes, like outside of football? What do we not know about Jackson Bowers as the the non-football player? Um, I mean, I love being with my friends and my family. Uh, those are just the two two main things that I'm around. If I'm not with my family, then I'm with my friends. If I'm not with my friends, I'm with my family. So, are you a video games guy? Are you are you a music guy? Yeah. What do you like to do? Um, by myself, I'm either with my mom or like I'm hanging out with my mom or I'm on my phone on social media. I really don't do nothing outside of that. (laughs) I go and work out and play sports. What kind of shampoo and conditioner we using these days? (laughs) Um. It switches off. Like sometimes I'm an Old Spice guy, and sometimes I'm a Dove type of guy. So it switches <laughs> off. I like it. It smells good either way. Dove and Old Spice. Yep. yep. Yes, sir. Hey, Jackson, we're thrilled to have you at BYU, man. Um, as Jaron pointed out, hair's looking great. It looks amazing. Uh, I'm sure yes, your teammates sir. are going to love and appreciate that and respect it certainly. Um, final question: When do you get up to BYU? Um, on the summer. I'm coming in the summer, so. Okay. Finish the school year out and coming in the summer. Good luck in your remaining classes with graduation. Enjoy prom, yes, all Thank that you. good stuff, and we will look forward to seeing you in the summer. Yes, sir. I can't wait. And if you oh, need please. to know back to your math class, you let us know. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got you covered. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you. Yes, sir. You got it. Jackson Bowers, BYU tight end. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. He's going to go in. Touchdown, Keanu Hill. And it's a touchdown to Cody Epps. Pink Iropati running away from the Fenders. Rex makes the catch. Touchdown, Chase Roberts. The BYU football defensive staff is all set. In fact, we'll speak with Justin Enna later today. He was the final piece on that side. Offensive staff not really having any change happen there. And BYU's got their quarterback. They got Aiden Robbins as the running back. Let's play some games. Let's go. So, Jerem, what's the next priority for BYU football right now in the offseason with all these pieces coming into place? I've got a couple. Uh, one is the strength and conditioning coach. Okay. BYU let go of Nu'u Tafisi after several years. Um, that's a big one. And I think it's a big one, obviously, because strength and conditioning matters. But BYU's been so hurt over the last couple of years, I can't scientifically or even medically approach the connection between strength and conditioning and injuries, but it feels like there's some connection, at least mildly. Um, Hopefully, BYU can be in a position to be as healthy as possible. You get hurt in football, obviously. Number two, defensive line. Um, Mm -hmm. This defense will be predicated on effective defensive lines. 
That's what Utah's been doing so effectively for a long time. That's what Sione Puha did so well as the D-tackle coach up at uh, Utah. Isaiah Bagna comes in from Boise State. Jackson Cravens as well, following Kelly Papinga. Those are nice additions to bolster that group with uh, a guy like Tyler Batty, who's yeah. expected to be uh, even better. So hopefully D-line can trigger this new defense for BYU. And then the third one is this. Um, I think BYU needs another quarterback, uh, a capable backup behind Keaton Slovis. Cade Fennigan certainly will play into that competition there, but Keaton's going to be the number one, clearly, with his experience uh, at, at the Power 5 level and his NFL potential. Last two years haven't been great for Keaton. A lot has gone into that, as we mentioned. But um, I think perhaps like a JUCO quarterback. Yeah, there's a certain number in. one ranked JUCO quarterback yes, out there. It's not official. Yes, there is. Uh, and it'd be great to have him at BYU. I think that's there. Obviously, O-line sticks out as well. You mentioned that in our pre-show um, call today. Yes, you've lost um, three starters on the offensive line and two of the capable backups in Campbell Barrington and Joe Tukuafu. So um, next up, Braden Kime, Sonny Makasina, Lisa Tai, Sam Daw, Ben Ward, Wayne Lapuahu, you just mentioned. So there's, there's guys there, but it, BYU walked into 9 by the way, in a similar situation as this. Not the number one pass-blocking team in the country in number 12 run blocking, but 9 we were like, oh, who are they going to have when they face Oklahoma? And they ran into Oklahoma effectively. So it doesn't mean BYU is going to stink on offense, the offensive line. It's just like, oh, you had this real nice two-year run of several NFL guys. I think in five years we're going to look back at this O-line and go, oh, my gosh, there were like – Five NFL dudes yes. that were a part of that group. And That's 20, why they were the number one rated pass blocking offensive line. 22. Now, BYU's running back certainly needed to play better this year to take advantage of that. Yes. I'm going to stay with the offensive line. Because right now, I'm looking on paper, okay, if BYU had to roll out an offensive line for game number one against Sam Houston State right now, yeah. who, who would it be? Well, certainly Connor Pay and Kingsley Suamata'ia are leading the charge right there. The coaches love Lasalatai. They think he is going to be an NFL guy. Right tackle, probably. Monster, yes. Brayden Kime's going to compete there. Kingsley Suamatia, I, I put him in Sharpie at left tackle. Yes, 100%. Waylon Lapuaho, because he has 13 games of experience and started as a freshman at Utah State, comes in and could be an immediate contributor. Left or right guard, perhaps. We still haven't heard official word on Blake Freeland. I'm assuming he's gone. But, we're yeah, we're assuming that he's gone because he's a projected second or third round pick right now. I'd love to have him back, though. So unless he wants to, awesome. like, unless he feels like he can come back and become a sure thing All-American and first, first round pick, maybe he's Perhaps. feeling like he can come back. But he hasn't announced that he's gone just yet. But, yeah. I mean, just probably for our own sanity, we're like, okay, yeah, we're not going to plan if on you come back, back, it's a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that, that really hurts, along with losing the Barrington brothers, is, is the tragic loss of Sione Vecoso because he was expected to compete on this offensive line. And now yeah. his family's dealing with tragic circumstances of yes. his untimely death. Uh, and that, that's another gap for BYU to have to fill on the offensive line. Because and it's physical and emotional there. Yes. Like the whole season, you're going to be thinking about the him. loss of Sione yes. Vecoso. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that one, I mean, it just hurts for just – Numerous reasons, yes. right? On the field, the least of these. Yes. Yeah. So the offensive line uh, has a lot of my attention. What What is BYU going to do? How are they going to uh, offer up a follow campaign to what was a glorious time for BYU's offensive front? Perhaps the greatest offensive line in BYU history. I mean, there were some ones in the 80s that you could say, hey, 
There were some NFL guys there, and they were road graders, but their jobs were different than this version of BYU's offense. This version of BYU's offense has to run the ball more effectively. Back then, they were excellent uh, pass blockers, and they would tolerate more sacks and interceptions. Nowadays, they protected Jaron Hall. He didn't throw a lot of picks. It was, uh, it was glorious. Yes. You can make an argument that the last two years were the best two years of offensive line play ever at BYU. I'm serious. I think it was really special. Tyler Algier had it. Oh, he's a special player, right? Yeah. A single season rushing record. That combination last year yielded yes. a ridiculous rushing a season. A record. Yeah. Yeah, special time for yeah. sure for the and offensive line. The way that Jaron wasn't sacked, the way that Tyler ran the ball. Yeah. And, and you certainly look at those numbers and you think, hmm, BYU certainly could have won eight or nine games if they had run the ball more effectively. No question. Yeah. I want to add quickly to the strength and conditioning. The offensive line we've talked about. Yes, BYU needs a backup quarterback. The receiver's room is a little bit thin. And it's taking nothing away from the three starters that BYU we think are going to bring back. Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Keanu, all experienced. Really good All group have right proven there. themselves. Yeah. Solid core, right? Solid starters group. We were expecting Redden Cosper to support that group. He is... Uh, He's bounced. Gone. Gunnar Romney is gone. Yeah. Puka Nakua is gone. Terrence Fall has transferred. Terrence Fall, exciting future, possibly had one catch. We don't know what it was going to be per se, but so there, there would have been nice some, to have him. Some yeah. gaps to fill in there for the wide receiver depth. So I'm looking at that. I'm sure Fessy Sitake is hard at work. Don't, don't you worry. And I'm sure that Keaton Slovis <laughs> is like, hey, I'm a BYU. I've thrown to can, a lot of different receivers. Yes. Can he recruit somebody into can BYU? Can he get some free agents, if you will, yeah. to come in and be a part of this? So while there are many pieces coming into place, we've clearly outlined there are several things that still need to happen. And Spence, over time, have we ever really been that worried about wide receiver at BYU? It's always been just solid, solid. to good yeah, to solid. great, right? So I'm not that worried. But in the Big 12, you almost wonder, okay, do you have to outshoot some people and you need some yeah. depth there? Maybe that's where it's like, okay, you need more than you've had. Yeah, yeah. You need a group like this year where you have some depth. And the tight end pass catching options will help too with Isaac Rex and Jackson Bowers. We're going to talk, talk to Jackson to on the show today. I'm stoked about Jackson, the only top 300 recruit that BYU has signed uh, this year and maybe even recently. Three top 300 is not yeah, a thing BYU he's gets. Big time. So he's big time. Okay, topic two. The NCAA Transformation Committee released a recommendation yesterday opening the door potentially for sports like men's basketball, baseball to expand their postseason tournament. If they have 200 plus teams, they're saying, okay. hey, consider 25%. Uh, of all those teams in uh, the NCAA tournament. 363 teams would be about 90. Do you want to see March Madness expanded? And if so, could it help BYU? I am of the opinion that March Madness is fine at 68 teams. I think the exclusivity of the group right now and how difficult it is to get into the tournament just makes it a lot of fun. It, it's okay. Like, I'm all about inclusion and, yeah, great. If they want to expand to 80 teams, fine. I would not go higher than 80. They're talking about that's not 25 percent, sir. About 90? Is that up to 25 percent? The most I would go is 80, and the reason I chose that number is because I would give if you are a top four seed, you'd have a first round buy. Like if you're a one, two, three, or four. They seed, used to do this in the 80s, by the you've way. You've earned it. Yeah, it was 48 teams, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. When BYU makes the Elite Eight in '81, it's a 48 48 team tournament. tournament. Yeah. And BYU so, was the six, and they played in that opening round. I'm okay with that concept where it's like, all right, you, you were so good. You're a top 16 team overall. You have earned a first-round buy. You deserve it. Yes, absolutely. And then you would start playing the first round if you were a five seed, and it would go all the way to a 20 seed, which just sounds so dumb, right? It, it sounds silly to The me. Onion did a video 
like a decade ago <laughs> where they did like 4,096 teams and they had like the Painters College. The New Jersey Institute of Truck Driving. Playing, playing Dallas uh, <laughs> Roberts Hair School. Yeah. Yes, I remember. It's, playing the Springville 7th Ward. It, yeah. it, I like it. Like 68 <laughs> teams is a good number. In fact, that would be fine if it's... It's so random. It stayed at 64. Four. Four. Like when it was 64, I was like, yeah, the field is 64. The plus four is kind of fun. Whatever. Granted, BYU in the last decade has been they that benefited. team twice. They benefited from that, right? Twice, Eska, Iona, and For unfortunately sure. Ole Miss. I wouldn't go more than 80. Yeah, and, and if you want to reward your top four seeds, great. Just don't make it more than 80 teams. That's that's so many. And I know there are a ton of college basketball teams. 363 in D1. Yeah, so 90 would technically be like the 25%, yeah. but that just yeah. feels way too high. Okay, let's talk about it. As a fan, no, I don't want to expand it. But as someone who wants BYU in the NCAA tournament, I think in the Big 12, because of how hard it is, by the way, they average uh, six of the ten getting in. All 10 are in top 44 right now in net. Nine of the 10 are in Lenardi's bracket yes. right now. The, the Big 12 is going to be okay. that conference this year. They're going to be this conference so against nine in. How often is BYU going to make it in a 68-team tournament in the Big 12? I am concerned that it might be more than or less than one every four years, which is sort of where BYU has been a little bit here the last several years. Um, I, if it goes to 90... Essentially, you're saying most of the NIT teams, you get in. That would be where BYU would fit. Like, if BYU wants to actually make the NCAA tournament pretty consistently, two out of every three years, three out of every four, which I think would be awesome, then I think that expansion certainly would benefit BYU. Um, does BYU need to raise its game to make the NCAA tournament in the Big 12? Either way, yes. Um, and I look forward to what that looks like. But it could be painful for a little bit of – Oh, my gosh. BYU's got to schedule nobody in non-conference, mm-hmm. and they need to go at least mm-hmm. – I think I've said my motto was like 10-3 and three in non-con, 7-11 in conference, and then 1-1 one one in Kansas City. And then you hope on Selection Sunday that you can pull off what Iowa State did last year, which is losing record in league, 11 seed, got to the Sweet 16. But if it goes to 90, you, you help yourself quite a bit. Yes. You do. It just seems like too many teams. But to t- take on the 24 seed this week, like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so many yeah. basketball teams. Yeah. For what it's worth, John Rothstein did add, and he's College Basketball Insider for those who don't know, while the NCAA Transformation Committee has recommended an expansion of championship tournaments to incorporate 25% of the teams, there is a belief that the NCAA tournament is viewed as different entity when it comes to potential expansion for championship tournaments. Well, that blows that up. Added source, the agenda for next week's D1 Board of Directors meeting at next week's NCAA convention does not currently include expansion for the NCAA basketball tournament. Well, there you go. Um, So the idea of 90 is what we're talking about. Because it's, yes. it's not actually 80. According you go to 80, you just add the top three seeds from the NIT, those 12 teams. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You are watching your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. We call it BYU Sports Nation. Yes, we do. And we need some answers about what's going on with BYU men's basketball. Seven-game win streak. It's awesome. Should Trevin Nell come back? How can BYU play its way back onto the bubble? I talked to Tyler Haas earlier about all those things. 
All right, what's up, Tyler? How you doing, man? Doing great, Jerem. How are you, man? I'm great. Game day at LMU. We'll talk about the matchup with the Lions in a second. But our question of the day, we want to get your opinion. What can BYU men's basketball do to play itself back into the bubble? Well, I, it's definitely an uphill battle from here. Uh, it's it's something we've talked a lot about, Jerem. You know, the, the stain on the season was... You know, the the South Dakota and the UVU game. And if they would have found a way to, uh, you know, win those games and get over that hump a little bit earlier, this this whole conversation would be very different. Um, but they're going to have to find a way to, I think, at least finish second in league uh, with those quad four losses. Um, they're going to have to beat St. Mary's and they're going to they're probably going to have to beat Gonzaga at least once if they want to be in question and they've got to perform well in the tournament. You know, the one thing that I will say that most committee members look at when evaluating tournament teams is who's playing the best basketball right now during the year. And, and I think BYU definitely is trending that way. They, I mean, they're on a, they're on a big win streak and they're playing really, really well. There's a chance they get Trevin Nell back. There's some factors that come into play that, you know, may make an argument for, for a tournament team, but they're, they're going to have to, to win games and you can't drop games that uh, you're supposed to win, which is always a scary thing in conference play, right? Because there are some teams that are just scary, weird gyms, weird circumstances, um, but really good players. And, you know, even, even though it's a quad three or quad four game, there are really good players that can light it up. And, um, and so you, you don't want to have one of those things happen. Um, but really, if you can finish second and beat Gonzaga and play well in the tournament and continue to get better, um, I think there, there's maybe a chance and maybe an argument to, to get in there. I think if you finish second in the WCC, you're certainly in a, a great spot. Obviously, the resume has got to match, but typically that second team has at least been on the bubble, if not in. Um, three teams has been hard to come by in league history, just a handful of times for that. But January seems to be the month because BYU's got Gonzaga and St. Mary's at home. So if BYU is going to do it, they've got to do it this month. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the opportunity is right now, and uh, – we, we've said it, they're playing their best ball right now and shooting the ball well. And listen, ag against St. Mary's and Gonzaga, I mean, you have to play well on both ends of the floor to beat those teams. They're not just going to roll over and, and, and die, right? You've got to go, go in there and beat them. And, um, you know, I think BYU also has, has been plagued by this, this turnover bug and, they, they've found ways to win. I don't know how they're continuing to turn the ball over around 20 times and find a way to win. Four and one, Ty. It, it's a winning formula. <laughs> it does not happen, Jero. So, and you cannot do that against St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Yeah. So uh, they're going to have to take care of the ball. They're going to have to shoot the ball really well. Um, but I and mean, we've said it all year long, all the talent is there, all the right pieces are in place, and uh, they're trending upward. And so I could definitely see them having a big January. 
It's important, and BYU, I argued earlier, needs to probably go at least 13-3 and given what happened in non-conference with the five losses to give itself a chance to get to 24 or 25 wins. And then some of the numbers I found say, you know, at, at 24, you go to 75% chance to make the tourney. 25, you go up to about 95%. 13-3 in league feels like a stretch, though, given the inconsistency at times of this team. How in the world could BYU possibly go 13-3? Can they keep it going? What have you seen that makes you feel like there's a chance that BYU could, like you said, finish as high as second? Because right now St. Mary's is the highest it's ever been in net today, number 12. Yeah, so, I mean, a couple of things. I, I think starting on the defensive end, uh, all the right pieces are in place. I mean, you've got really good rim protection and Foose and Atiki. I think they've done a really good job of showing what they can do. But then you have, you know, guys like Gideon George that are elite defenders on the wing. You got Spencer Johnson back, um, just long athletic guys that know how to play defense, understand team concept, and they're, they're playing really well. And so, uh, and then they're shooting the ball well on the other end. And I think if, if you get Trevin Nell back, uh, you could definitely make a run. And I think, you know, there's going to be moments, there's going to be some scary moments where, you know, the, it feels like the season and the tournament is in the balance. Um, you know, I, thinking back to my, my brother's senior year a couple years ago, I mean, there were some, there were some scares there, uh, you know, at San Diego, um, St. Mary's, obviously, you know, this team's going to have to step up and make plays down the stretch. But, you know, they've had a couple of games this year, Jerem, where they've had to figure out how to win with with five, six minutes left and the game's tied or they're down a few points. Uh, I mean, Creighton, you know, Missouri State, they like – Dallin Hall was huge in those games. Um, I think another factor is just the leadership on this team. You know, Rudy Williams is a guy that that comes to mind. He's embraced his role coming off the bench. Um, he's scoring at a high clip and and doing well. So I like I I really feel comfortable with how um, the the roles on the team have shaken out and that that first and second unit. Certainly tonight uh, is the next step. If BYU loses tonight, maybe what we're talking about doesn't even matter because <laughs> it's early in conference. you got to go get some wins at LMU. This is a game last year, Tyler, where BYU had to come back down 17. Cam Shelton and Kelly Lea Pepe and Jalen Anderson are doing some good work uh, for Stan Johnson and the Lions. What do you think of the matchup tonight that in a lot of places is a one-point game? Yeah, LMU's playing really well um, and and doing some good things. They, I mean, always have really good guards, high level guards that that can score. And Le Pepe inside's obviously uh, a tough matchup. But uh, you know, this is a team that is a little bit scary. Uh, you look at their their non conference uh, resume, and it's impressive. I mean, they beat they beat Georgetown, they beat Nevada, they beat. Uh, they beat another really notable team and they're, they're playing good basketball. And so um, I think they are coming off a loss at Pacific, but you know, they, they have really good pieces and they've shown what they're capable of. And, and so this is the challenge always in WCC play. Like these teams are so capable and tough and 
you know, they definitely have moments going in and out. And it's really easy to overlook somebody and say, oh, this is an easy win. But you cannot do that. And BYU is not in a position right now to to overlook anybody. And so uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it was Wake Forest in overtime. So another another nice win, as you mentioned, right, yeah, for, uh, for LMU. Us. Okay, you mentioned Trevin Nell. Um, he potentially could come back soon. We'll see if it's tonight or in the next couple of weeks. Is it worth it for him to come back um, if it's uh, just part of conference play, or should he redshirt this year and have two years in the Big 12? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. Um, you know, that, that'll be a personal decision, and that'll be a decision he makes with uh, his family and coaches. Um, but I think if he is itching to play and, you know, feels healthy enough to, to jump in and be able to contribute right away, um, you know, that's only a question that, that he can answer. He knows where his body's at. And, you know, I will say I had a few injuries in my career and playing overseas, and it's tough to – after you've been out a few months, it, it's a transition period coming back. It takes time to to get in the loop of practice, get up to game speed, game pace. And, um, and you know, wh- one of the most surprising things is just how physical the game is. You have to get used to and be confident in your body to, to push people around and, you know, get in the mix. You can't be playing hesitant at all. It's got to be all out, all out effort. And so if he's there and, you know, he's comfortable with, you know, using his year of eligibility, I would say, you know, he could make a huge difference. I mean, he provides consistent three-point shooting experience on the floor. Um, last year, you know, Coach Pope and and Coach Figure talked about how his defense really improved. And, you know, we saw moments of that. And so, I don't know. It, it will just have to be a, a personal decision um, with, with them, but I, I definitely think he can help. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Men's Hoops tied for the 10th longest winning streak in college basketball at seven games after New Mexico lost last night. How long can they keep the win streak going, Smith? I think BYU's got a great shot to get this to nine. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's it's tough. You're on the road. LMU's a good team. Like, it's most likely to end tomorrow night at LMU. I think BYU will beat San Diego. But, hey, why not nine before you have to come then home and play, play Gonzaga? Gonzaga at home. Yeah. Certainly you won't be favored to win that at home. Gonzaga's good, uh, of course. Their three losses are to, like, top 15 teams. Um, yeah, I think you can get to nine. Yeah, BYU goes down and beats LMU, who's a better LMU team than they were last year. BYU had to come back down 17, by the way, at LMU last year. That was a tough comeback win. San Diego in the Slim Gym for the final time, and then you say sayonara to go and play those. Yeah, games. you want to hear a wild stat about BYU-Gonzaga? Yeah. BYU has more wins at the kennel over Gonzaga than they do in Provo. How about that? They've Against beaten Gonzaga, Gonzaga twice yes. in Provo, and three times they've won in the kennel. It's only twice in Provo, huh? Three, six and 23 overall. Yikes. It's more wins than anybody else against it's Gonzaga true. in the league. Trevin Nell is participating in practice. Does BYU need Trevin Nell to return this season? Or are they okay with the roster of guys they have right now? Certainly a shooter of Trevin Nell's capabilities is always welcome. 
but in terms of fitting him into the rotation, it's pretty busy and logjammed at this point, so this will be a challenge to figure that out. But if Trevin's ready to go, you certainly welcome that shooting because I think he'd be the most consistent three-point shooter that BYU would have. BYU's not been great from distance uh, from most guys. They don't have a 40% guy outside of Noah Waterman right now. It still sounds like he's at least two or three weeks away. So we're talking about, okay, BYU would then get Trevin Nell for like eight conference games. Is it worth it? Is it worth like it? Like Gavin Baxter, it was worth it because he beat Gonzaga. Like you needed him as a big. You only had uh, Yoli Childs and uh, Colby Lee at the time. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth it, but personally, I want two years of Trevin Nell in the Big 12. Absolutely. He'd have at least Absolutely. one. Yeah. If basketball was like football and got to play 25% of the season and you could still redshirt, why Fine. don't they do that in the I other sports? Why not? They should. Noah Hain blew a redshirt playing the last four games of men's volleyball last year. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's worth it. I'd rather have him for full seasons in yeah. the Big 12. Yeah. Okay, right. Bill Connolly, SP Plus, gave BYU a 12% win expectancy in the New Mexico Bowl. Lowest of all wins this season. Was that BYU's most unexpected win then? <laughs> I think the BYU at Boise State game was the most unexpected win. Because BYU because history. had, yes, it always had trouble playing on the blue. BYU had lost four straight games going into that contest. Remember, BYU was four and five going up to that. Boise. Uh, and that started the four game win streak to close out the season. So I'd say it's still at Boise State was, in my opinion, the most unexpected. And Boise State had a top 10 defense at the time and all they this stuff, right? They won 10 games. Yeah, they were they pretty good. They won 10 games. They were pretty good. Um, New Mexico Bowl, though, we expected the Mustangs come out and, and sling it way better. BYU defense rose up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, in terms of win expectancy, that was pretty good. I don't know that we expected to beat Baylor at home, you know? Number nine team in the country. That was a nice win at the time. First top 10 team to go down to BYU since Miami in 1990. Is it the home? second all time? I haven't looked at Wild. One, yeah. Wild. BYU men's volleyball starts outside the top 15 in the ABCA preseason poll. Will they finish the season ranked inside the top 15? That's certainly the hope. I don't think BYU's got an MPSF championship team this year per se, but I think they will be vastly improved and give those top teams a challenge, hoping that BYU obviously gets north of 500 and is interesting in conference. I think a realistic goal is trying to slide into the top three or four in the MPSF. Now, how many teams are currently ranked from the MPSF? In five, the five of the seven. So can BYU finish fifth in the MPSF, even Certainly. fourth? If, they're, if they do that, then yes, they will be ranked in the top 50. Yes. There are a lot of question marks. Don't know starting setter. Don't know the second outside hitter. Uh, you know, second middle blocker uh, will be an issue for the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch them develop. Okay, Scott Stallings uh, got a master's invitation. Yeah, PGA player. Um, but not that Scott Stallings. Um, a different guy <laughs> got the invite. Then he DM'd the actual Scott Stallings, who was supposed to get the invite, uh, which is a funny uh, sports story. What sporting event would you want to get accidentally invited to? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, if we're going accidental invitations, like I would love to watch a final at like a tennis championship, like Wimbledon, right? I would love to be invited to probably Wimbledon and watch the Wimbledon final on the grass courts. I think that, that would be as about as prestigious as it gets. Oh, like a Super Bowl or NBA Finals just, yeah, would be would be fun. <laughs> to play in one is silly, right? But to just go watch one would be... How crazy is it that Scott Stallings, the golfer, has... So his wife, I believe her name is Elizabeth. The dude that received the invitation, his wife is also named Elizabeth. And they're both from Georgia, like the same area. <laughs> Weird stuff happens. My wife is a Whitney, twin sister named Lindsay. My two sisters are named Whitney and Lindsay. There you go. Crazy.
Recruiter Whip Brand presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. There have been some great ideas discussed today. That was the best. <laughs> Joey Men's Soups is favored by one and a half tonight at LMU. What do you think of that one? I think it's favorable for BYU. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't agree with it, honestly. Oh, you think LMU should be the favorite? I, I think LMU is, feels more like a one and a half point favorite. Mm. So, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe they know something I don't know, but like road contest, evenly matched. BYU's typically dropped one of these road games early in conference play. Uh, I kind of want BYU to be the underdog, so they play like the underdog. Yeah, L listen, LMU is playing good ball. They have some nice wins, as Tyler mentioned. Beat Wake Forest in overtime. Like, they, they're playing good ball. They BYU have zero quad four losses. BYU is a better team. BYU is more talented. Okay. Um, BYU needs to go in there and win. Show it. Show it. Because, again, the middle of the league is pretty good. And if you beat LMU on the road, and you, like you mentioned, go and win in the Slim Gym. You're, now, you're conference? now you're going. You're 4 0 in conference nine, for just the second time ever. Nine game win streak would tie the most in the Mark Pope era. Let's go, man. Jaron, BYU's only been 3 0 in conference one time ever. 3 0. If you tell them you get to that mark. We did not think this would be the case when entering. Wow. The season, but it is what it is. BYU basketball has the 17th best free throw percentage defense in the nation. I know this is Gregor Bell's favorite step. It seems like a simple question. <laughs> But to what do you attribute the Cougars' excellence in free throw percentage defense? At home, it's the Rock. Yes. On the road, I don't know. Uh, but, B <laughs> but BYU uh, does an excellent job at home of distracting the opponent. It's specifically the tube guys mm -hmm. at home, Jeremy. Yeah. The addition of the tube guys, the fly guys, the sky dancers, whatever, whatever you want to yeah, call whatever them. Whatever they are. Those blue inflatable characters. <laughs> the Tobias Funke. Mark Pope said we're nude. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, is this an undercode violation? Clark Barrington comes in at 92 on ESPN's Top 100 College Football Players of 2022. Do any other Cougars deserve to be on that list? Yes, Blake Freeland. Mm. And had Jaron Hall been healthy all season, Jaron's maybe on that list, but yeah. Blake Freeland, if Clark Barrington's on that list, Blake Freeland needs to be on that list. We're only 9-0 linemen. So it's, did BYU have two of the top 10 in the country? Uh, perhaps just off. Number one there, pass blocking line in the country. And then there were 15 quarterbacks on it. Jaron didn't make it. I was hoping Jaron would be one of the top 15 quarterbacks. Apparently not according to Bill Clinton. Huh, interesting. New York Jets head coach Robert Sala says the franchise is sticking with Zach Wilson through heck or high water. That's not what he said. Okay, he didn't say heck, but this is BYU TV. Do, you think, do you think the Jets and Zach Wilson can figure out a way to have some type of successful relationship moving forward. I almost don't believe him, honestly. Because it's like, what do you mean stick with? You're gonna give him another shot to be the starter? That's what I am Or you're thinking. just keeping him on the roster and you're not trading him. Well then, he's in purgatory. Um, let, either let him go or give him an off season. Or maybe if you want, you can get a veteran, but going into his third year, he should be able to manage himself. You get, I think the Jets need to give him one more chance for a couple of games. If it doesn't work out, you can be completely done with him. But I fear that they are done with him now. In my heart of hearts, I believe Robert Sala is the eternal optimist. And he believes that right, Zach but Wilson are you will actually figure going to give out. him another chance? I think Robert Sala will give him another chance. Well, the Jets fans give him another chance. No, they've already written him off, but it's not their decision to make. It's the coaches, obviously. So yeah. I think he will. But they could boo him off the field like he was uh, in that Thursday night game. Cosmo tweeted out this picture last night of himself in Washington State's mascot, Butch. Is, the, is this the rivalry we didn't know existed? You versus the guy she does not have to worry about. He said it had to be said. No, it's not a rivalry because somebody else actually put out the comparison. Cosmo just took the picture. I'm not sure where he got it. But no, there's no rivalry when you are the guy that We're near the guy. you should be worried about. Right? Tom Brady's not like thinking about Kirk no. Cousins. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> or who, who was it? It was Jimmy Garoppolo walking next to uh, Cole, Colt McCoy. Did you see that? Did you yes. see that comparison? That's the type of comparison we're talking about here. Yeah. Is Jimmy Garoppolo worried well, about Colt McCoy? Cosmo greater than no. Jimmy, but yes. I, Jimmy's looks, there you go. Yeah, no. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Lucky seven in a row for BYU men's basketball. They have, yes indeed, won seven straight games and will put that streak on the line tonight in Los Angeles against a much improved LMU team. The Cougars currently 12-5 on the season, Jerem. They're 2-0 to open up West Coast Conference play for only the fourth time in 12 WCC seasons. They're getting healthy with the return of Spencer Johnson. Maybe Trevin Nell joins the team uh, in a few weeks. All good things, yet the Cougars remain well out of the NCAA tournament conversation. So the question today is, what can BYU do with a seven-game win streak in play right now to play themselves back onto the bubble? Obviously, keep winning. It's just how many wins will suffice. Obviously, this week at LMU, at San Diego. Gonzaga in town next Thursday. I think even if BYU... Wins this week and then pulls off the big upset next uh, Thursday. Still not, uh, still not on the bubble per se. I think they need to play themselves still into it. You have a quad four loss currently as of today. You have a quad three loss as well. South Dakota and UVU respectively. UVU is almost a quad two game. Beat the Ducks recently. UVU is playing good ball. Hopefully They've won that's eight a in a row. Two. Hopefully that's quad two when all is said and done. Um, you probably need to keep winning. Pepperdine, Santa Clara, San Francisco, St. Mary's. If you got through January on this win streak that includes top 15 net teams currently in Gonzaga and St. Mary's. By the way, number 12, highest ever net rank for St. Mary's today. Then, yes, you are, you are on the bubble, and I don't know, maybe you're in, but um, BYU certainly needs to go on a heck of a run here in January. The benefit is, in January, BYU hosts Gonzaga and St. Mary's. So if you're going to do it, you got to do it in January. Keep winning. See what happens. I'd like to see this team climb at least into the NIT space. Right now, BYU out of that, in my opinion. But they're playing good ball. They're getting better. They're getting reinforcements, as you mentioned. And perhaps this team can discover some consistency um, and continue this. You certainly need to beat Gonzaga and or St. Mary's to have more resume there, though, because BYU has one quad one win at this point. They're going to get a few more opportunities with the Zags and uh, St. Mary's, but right now, nobody else in the top 75 in net. Perhaps Santa Clara or LMU or San Francisco climb into that space, and then you have some more opportunities. But obviously, you got to keep winning. I just wonder if it would take the rest of January on a crazy wow. run. That is, I mean, seven straight wins is nice, right? To go undefeated through the rest of January. And just to be clear, you feel like that's just to get on the bubble, not into I, the tournament. I. No, just I don't know what it'll take to be in the conversation. Like, on the bubble means, okay, you're one of the last eight out, right? Like, if yes. you're like the 12th out, you're not on the bubble. Okay, so um, one of the last eight teams in on Joe Lenardi's You'd have Joe to be Lenardi's mentioned by Lenardi. Um, yeah, I think BYU needs to win past Gonzaga to get into that space. Okay, so They don't have enough good wins, and they have too many bad losses. 
let's examine what BYU getting through Gonzaga with wins would actually mean. That would be 10 straight wins, and then you would have in that run wins against Creighton, Utah, at LMU, which according to Ken Pomeroy is a tier B game, and it's a quad two game. Yeah. And then you would have a quad one win against Gonzaga. So if BYU wins 10 straight, then I think they will firmly be on the bubble because you just look at what is on the bubble right now. Like the last team in is USC. They are 86 in the current net rankings. They're 68 in Ken Palm. And if BYU beats LMU and Gonzaga, then the Cougars would have a resume in terms of quality wins and then the one bad loss comparable to USC. So I feel like 10 straight wins... Mind you, if BYU does that, they would be 5-0 in West Coast Conference play for the first time ever. BYU has never started WCC play 5-0. And they would be in first place of the conference, which just sounds absurd. This team was 5-5 coming off losses to South Dakota and Utah Valley. This team had been written up. They were sub-200 in the net rankings. So to their credit, they have strung together these victories Three more, and I don't know how Joe Lenardi would leave BYU off the bubble conversation because now you have some quality to your resume with, again, wins against Creighton, Utah, LMU, and Gonzaga. To me, that sounds certainly like a bubble team, even with the one loss to South Dakota. Then maybe we can start making excuses for that game. Well, Spencer Johnson was hurt. He didn't play. It There's was just no a bad. For Q4. You're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Q4s but are bad. Then I feel like that kind of gets washed out or scrubbed out a little bit because, like, yeah, they had that bad loss. That was weird. And then maybe the committee looks at why. Well, why did they lose that game? Oh, they had some injuries because they want to justify. Well, not how committee, does that, just Lenardi. Really. How does that team? Now all of a sudden have wins against Creighton, Utah, LMU, at LMU, and then against Gonzaga. They'd certainly be more interesting. USC's 9-0 in quad three and four. That's the difference between USC and BYU, right? BYU has some blemishes on the resume. You're going to have to make up for them. And, what if Utah and becomes a be quad awesome. two and it's only one blemish? One blemish as a quad four is a big blemish. That's a tough one. But you can make up for it. You just have to do a lot. Like it's, it's harder to make up for a quad four than it is win a quad one. Like, a quad four is worse than the good of a quad one. So BYU is going to have to win, and not all quad ones are the same. A quad one versus Gonzaga certainly makes a national splash. That's awesome. I, th- I wonder if BYU has to also get a St. Mary's, who, by the way, is being grossly under-respected nationally. Like, they are top 15 in Ken Palm and Net. Like, this team should be ranked and super relevant. We'll see how BYU matches up against the Gales, who are vastly improved and continue to be good. BYU's certainly got to uh, keep winning. Now, the conversation um, also gets us to this point. What would it take for BYU to actually make the NCAA tournament? So team ranking says, who knows what this means, 76% if they get to 24 wins. Let's assume BYU has to go at least 1-1 one one in the WCC tournament. That means they'd have to go 13-3 and three in league. I just don't see 13-3 and three happening. That's a tall I, order. I think BYU is in the 5-7 to seven loss range in league. I like, picked BYU to go 19-12 and 12 in the regular season. And I still don't think I'm that far off. Yeah, I, they, they have to win a bunch more. 13-3 and three in league is ambitious. I think it's ambitious for St. Mary's, who's 12 in net. Again, um, you know, Gonzaga uh, might lose a game or two. Like 13-3, and three, they're not going to go 13-3. But it, it's going to be tough to make the tourney. I would like BYU to at least get to the NIT this year. BYU doesn't play games that aren't in the NIT. 
Um, and then you go into uh, the Big 12 and you try and build from there and just see what happens. But this program should never not make the NIT. I think that is a despicable season. That was the last season a couple years ago before Mark Pope took over. And that was part of the reason that it uh, all blew up, right? Is if you don't make the NIT, that is terrible. Like, this is a proud basketball tradition here. BYU was at a point where they were pretty low, and they have climbed out of it with a nice win streak here. And perhaps the addition of Spencer Johnson and or Trevin Nell and some consistency and role definition with Dallin Hall as a starter and Rudy Wink. Maybe they find it, and they can get back into the NIT. They are certainly pacing towards that. But the NCAA tournament feels like a tall task. Now, what if BYU just makes a gajillion threes and wins the WC? Yes, that's always an option. But it's also an option for Portland and Pacific. So it's silly even to just... BYU hasn't won a conference tournament championship in 22 years. Let me say this. I don't know that BYU is going to win a tourney ever again. Because it's just going to be crazy hard in the Big 12. Like, that is... A crazy thing to even consider. It's not about winning the Big 12, though. It's about getting to the tournament. It's not about winning the WCC. It's about getting to the tournament. You can accomplish certain goals without that. Like BYU football, yes, it'd be amazing to win the Big 12. It'd also be amazing to get an at-large and make the expanded college football playoff in the future. Whatever. New Year's Six. Like, that would be amazing. That's what we're talking about. This group is getting better. That's exciting. Is it... Is it going to make the NCAA tournament? Well, they've got to win a lot more to even be considered. If BYU sweeps the road series this weekend at LMU and at San Diego, then they will pace for something that is better than I expected. Because BYU typically drops a game or two early in conference play, and especially when they have early conference games on the road. Tonight feels like that game. Like, BYU needs to come out a victor tonight. This is a, t- this is a really tough game. LMU is a good team. They are way improved. Typically, you wouldn't be like, yeah, LMU, LMU. Top oh, 100 no. offense, yes. right? They, they shoot it very well. They don't turn it over. Um, BYU defensively is pretty good. Um, you know, top 50. So that's the matchup there. But BYU's got to not do what they did last year, which is go down 17. This is- they won. But don't get in that situation. LMU again. is on par with San Francisco. A win at LMU based on and the Santa metrics. Santa Clara. Based on the metrics, a win at LMU is like winning at San Francisco or at Santa Clara. Those three to me are very interesting right now. Obviously, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, but the next other four BYU, as you mentioned, LMU, Santa Clara, San Francisco. Those are tough games, tougher than you think. Those are yeah. top 100 teams. Well, let's be clear. We're not saying, hey, this is going to happen. BYU is going to get. To 15 and 5. They're going to win 10 straight games. They're going to be Gonzaga. We are discussing hypotheticals. Yeah. What it would take for sure. BYU to just sure. get back on the bubble. And because the and next be three fun. games, the next three games are so tough, at LMU is really difficult tonight. BYU has not typically won this game in the last few years on the road. So if they do that, then it's like, okay, take a pause a little bit and be like, hmm, have they figured something out? They win at San Diego, which is a place they have, like, strangely struggled, right? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. He is the alpha of BYU men's volleyball outside hitter, Mix Romanus. Mix, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Mix? Thank you for having Looking me. Looking good, dude. I like, absolutely I don't deserve that today. intro, man. I don't deserve that intro, but I appreciate Tell it. Tell us about the wardrobe today, by the way. Okay, so uh, 
I mean, just want to make the girlfriend happy, the mom happy today. <laughs> they kind of wanted me to look a little bit better than I did last yeah. time, so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll pick up my game a little bit. So. Class it up. What'd you wear last time? It was a polo or something? No, it was just like a BYU zip up. I was yeah. like, I mean, I yeah. Okay, looking good. Look good, feel good. Look good, it's feel true. good. Okay. It's true. Okay. Well, again, you're only adding to your case of being the alpha and the pride of Latvia, as Jerem said before we went to break. But, and let's talk about that. So you're from the United States, yeah. Southern California, but uh, you're of Latvian descent. Grandparents, you speak it. Yeah. And you went to a, a camp during the summer in Wisconsin or something where you'd interact with Close. other... Michigan. Michigan, okay. Um, and you represented Latvia this, sum this summer with the national team. Yeah. What, what does Latvia mean to you in your life? I mean, man, it means everything. I mean, being raised through the, all the camps and stuff, like, uh, funny thing, my friend from camp is coming, like, flying down today to come watch some games, so. Fantastic. Yeah, but it, it means a lot. It's just, it's half of who I am. Mm. Going there, knowing the culture, you know, church, all this stuff, and just, like, I can't describe to you how, how much that culture just means to you because it's so small, it's so tight-knit, and like being known and just, I mean, everyone knows each other. And the moment you hear a Latvian name, you know the person, you kind of know their background already because you guys are from like, you're Latvians. And if you're a Latvian, you're already like brothers and sisters. You mentioned church, which church? Lutheran. Lutheran, Lutheran church. specifically. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. It is clearly a huge part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And now you are at BYU. So you bring in this... Latvian representation to be Never had a Latvian athlete, probably. And it's I mean, an international it's cool. program, right? So oh, yeah. what does it mean to you to have those international ties at BYU when, when we have had so many guys, but no Latvians? I mean, I'm honored in a sense. You know, it's just, it's a surreal experience to have, and especially having Latvia as one of the names to be like put with the BYU Cougars. It's just, I mean, it's exciting. It's awesome being one of the, being a front runner, being a yeah. new crusader. It's just, I think it's fun. And I think it's a really good time. And it's just, uh, you know, motivating the other younger Latvian kids, like, you know, you can get to a big school too, you know, you can go play mm -hmm. ball here, ball there, you can do whatever you want as long as you just put your mind to it. Okay, let's talk about this group this season. Certainly last year was, uh, you know, a step back, but you guys are a young, hungry group. There's a lot um, in terms of expectations that isn't there. Who knows, right? Um, unranked for the first time in the preseason poll, picked to finish sixth in the league, blah, blah, blah. Young, hungry group. Tell us about this team this year and what you guys hope to accomplish. I mean, the, the team this year is just a group of dogs. I mean, we're just working hard. We're going in and out every day. I mean, we're hitting the weight room hard. We're just motivating each other. And just everyone has a chip on their shoulder this year. Like, everyone wants to fight. Everyone wants to be in the game. Everybody just wants to go crazy and just feral on the court. I mean, I cannot wait. And we've all put, put in the work. We've all worked hard. And this season, I think, I mean, I have a bad habit of jinxing myself. So I'm just going <laughs> to say I'm confident what we can do this season. And I'm confident. To, I really, I'm really excited for a team to underestimate us. How are, and many will. Um, how are you managing sort of being on both ends of this? Because you were redshirt on the 21 team, which mm -hmm. is one of the great BYU teams ever. And then going into a season like this where, yes, teams will look at BYU and go, oh, that's a win. Or is it? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different type of feeling. Knowing that we had Gabby Garcia, Felipe Debrito, Davide Gardini, Zach Eschenberg, Wilson. I, I mean, I'm not keep naming names. But knowing, having them, it was just a, they had their chemistry on the court. They had their game. And it's very hard to, like, as a younger guy, you understand that that's not your game. Like, that's, that's what they created for themselves. And, like, you just need to find your rhythm with your team. So right now, that's what we're doing. We're finding our stride with our players that we have now and getting into it. And once you find that and solidify that, the sky's going to be the limit. Mix Romanus of BYU Volleyball with us on BYU Sports Nation. Mix, you are one of the clear leaders on this team. And with that comes added responsibility. How do you feel about the role of being an alpha or leader on this squad? I mean, it's nice, the pressure's there, but I feel like 
I've, I mean, I hate talking about myself, but I love just the feeling of, uh, I know I've put in a lot of work. I know I put in the extra hours in certain aspects like weight room, volleyball, all this stuff. And being able to like uh, translate that into the court, like onto the team, it means a lot to me. And I know I can help the team grow and they're helping me grow every day. I don't think I'm really like a clear, distinct leader. I think it's just, we're, we're all just bought in. We're just all talking to each other, communicating and just like, taking the next step. You mentioned you've worked on a lot of stuff. Specifically, what have you worked on this off season to improve your game? Oh, the mental side of things. Mm. I mean, as a student athlete, you always have the idea of academics and athletics and always just that pressure. When I was in Latvia this summer, I kind of learned my balance, the one in between like social life and just working hard. So just like seeing family, seeing friends that I haven't seen in like six years and finally understanding my balance that I need to make sure I can perform on and off the court just in any sense. It was just a huge learning experience and just like being able to take that, bring it back to here school, just uh, I feel like it gave me an upper hand. It gave me an advantage. What's it like being a Lutheran at BYU? Oh, it's interesting. It's definitely <laughs> interesting. I mean, the BYU community is awesome. Like the nicest people I've ever met. But sometimes if you tell a person, like uh, I was in a missionary prep class this year. And, you uh, were in a missionary yeah, prep class? Yeah, it's just because uh, I know brother and sister Mullen. They're amazing people. That's great. But um, uh, I like, told when are you turning your papers in? You're like, well, <laughs> well, I'm not actually turning my papers in. So I was just, it's just funny sometimes because I sit there and I'm like, oh yeah, like I don't know the scripture. And they're like, how do you not know it? I'm like, oh, I'm not a member. And then you just get like a look and I'm like, oh, like, that's, the, that's probably the biggest thing I've ever experienced like with that. But I mean, it's, I, I can't complain. It's definitely different. But once you find your groove, you find your stride, yeah. you just keep going with it. Oh, because so you're you turning yeah. your papers in? Uh, <laughs> because you are experiencing this and you're in a unique position as a student athlete and not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What would you say to others that are considering that maybe you're like, I don't know about BYU because you're doing it now mm -hmm. and you seem to be enjoying it. Oh, yeah. So what would you say to them? I mean, do what your heart tells you. I mean, just look at what's important to you. Cause sometimes as a, again, as a student athlete, some people don't take the athlete part that seriously, but here at BYU, they give you all the opportunities to grow as that athlete or grow as that, I mean, ath academic weapon, as you guys know the trends say right now. But uh, I say go for it. Cause I mean, there's still like, it's not like a normal university where you will just, I don't know, go party more often or all this. I mean, you'll have your group gatherings here and there, but I say just go for it if you want to be great at what you do. Like if you love your sport, BYU is the place to be because they, man, they give you everything you need to succeed. You can focus on it. Oh yeah. Uh, as well, uh, whatever you want. Okay, let's talk about some of the new guys on this team. Heath Hughes comes over from Grand Canyon, a setter, certainly competing for the starting spot with Noah Hain. How's that competition been between uh, those two guys? Really good. Like it's just, it's fun seeing, going, like, seeing them play back and forth. Just, I mean, playing with both of them, it's just awesome. Like, all the time, like, I can, Noah's better at this certain set, like, in, in a scramble play. He's better at this certain set in a scramble play. It's just fun seeing, like, both of them ball. I mean, it's amazing competition. He's, I don't know, he's a little bit bigger. Noah's just, I don't know, sometimes craftier. It's just a good balance, and I think, uh, I mean, I don't know who's going to pull through in the end, but, I mean, they're both just amazing. Yeah, Noah uh, blew a redshirt last year to play, and the team really acknowledged that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, He's got that experience, so it'll be fun. And then that second outside, uh, someone replacing Davide Gardini. Who's in the mix there between, I guess, Luke Benson and Trent Moser and some others? Yeah, I think, I mean, man, it's a, it's a tight boat. Luke Benson definitely has a cannon of an arm. Like one of the, it's insane. He's the, you don't expect him to come in and just like rip like that. But man, like we call him 100% Luke. Like he says, coach is like, <laughs> take it down 60%. Luke still rips at 72, and I'm just like, all right, man. I, I <laughs> You're talking it. from the service line. From which, the service by line. the way, we've got a radar gun in Smith Fieldhouse this year. Yeah, yep. That'll be awesome. The, the dude's crazy. 
worked on his passing. He's an again, amazing player. Trent Mosier, one of the smartest people, like, one of the smartest volleyball players I've seen. That man can find a way to hit line no matter what. Mm. And I'm just, I, I'm always impressed by that because I can't do that. And I'm like, how does he just keep chomping at it? <laughs> but I mean, it's a tight competition. I think, I mean, I don't know. It's a, again, it's, it's a tough fight, but I think, I mean, one of them is going to fight through. The coach is going to decide. I just don't know who. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.